Fantastic. You're alive and awake. I love it. Just to make sure you're alive and awake, let's all stand up for the reading of the word this morning. And uh, we've been in this series called Now What? And um, this is the last installment. Cute's here. Last installment. Uh, we've, been, we've been at it for a little bit. And uh, I'll share the title in a minute, but let's read scripture. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 25. Um, if you're familiar with this verse, do me a favor and just give me a clean slate. Give me some, some, some clear ears here, and, and I want you to hear what the Word of God has to say to you today. Um, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit. So when I say fruit of the Spirit, um, don't think of actual fruit. This is the byproduct of our relationship with God, right? So if you're tight with Jesus, if you're tight with God, the byproduct, the overflow of your life is going to result in this. So when it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. When it says against such thing there is no law, what it means is like you can't earn these things. You can't earn these things. You can't manufacture these things. These things are primarily a byproduct of your relationship with God. And it says, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. So if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We've been talking about, hey, we are not human beings. Say what? We are not human beings having spiritual experiences every Sunday. We are spiritual beings 24-7, occasionally having human experiences, right? And we're living in this human experience. And so, so we are spiritual beings. And so what we need to do is we need to walk in the spirit. If we're gonna live in the spirit, we gotta walk in the spirit. And we gotta understand this concept of producing these fruits. Even, even when that person at work gets on your nerves, come on somebody. Even when your kids are, are, are too much, or being extra. Anybody know what I'm talking about, right? Even in traffic, we still have to bear this fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Even in traffic, even in traffic, we have to continue to bear this fruit. So as we're closing this series up, I want to title this, this message this morning, How to Be Happy. How to be happy. When we were designing this series, uh, our staff got together and we were looking up some of the questions that are mostly, that, the, the, high, the top questions that are Googled, right? And the number one is, what is my IP address? Some of you right now, they're like, what is an IP address, right? Some of them is like, how to tie a tie, right? And you ready, ladies, mamas? You're loved. The third top Google thing is, when is Mother's Day? It's May 8th, everybody. It's May 8th. But one of them down the line was, we started picking out the emotional ones, and the, and the big one was how to be happy. And that's going to be the framework of our conversation this morning. You ready? So loud and proud together, say, I'm here. I'm ready. Draw me closer. Make me better. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, be, as you're being seated, look to the person dead in the eyes and say, you have beautiful eyes. You have beautiful eyes. Even if they're dookie brown like mine. 
Just tell somebody you have some beautiful eyes. There's a lot of craziness happening in this world. Can I get a big amen? You just heard from, from, from one of our missionaries, you know, her dealing with uh, so Ukrainian refugees coming into France. And, and, um, and by the way, thank you for those who have, are dedicated to giving to missions. Thank you. Can we give it up for those who are giving into missions? Um, and she's not lying. The, when the, chain, the, the needs change so rapidly, so it's good for us to have a reserve to pull out of so that we could quickly respond. And, and, and things are a lot, just a lot more expensive right now, too. When she talked about blessing that lady with a dog, it cost 300 euros to adopt a dog over there. To adopt, not purchase, adopt a dog. I'm about to just send them my kids for like 100 euros so they could keep company. Just my wife's for it, 100 euros. 70? 70 euros. 70 euros. Why not? Let's give it. But there's a lot of craziness happening in this world. And, and, um, and, and so we have this big thing. Like we look at the news and, 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 and we see, okay, war. We see like, you know, and, and I'm not starting up any political drama right now. But you see like BA2, right? The next variant. You know, you see stuff like that happening and some of you are already rolling your eyes. I'm not talking about that today. <laughs> Calm down. <laughs> What I am talking about is on top of all that stuff that's happening in in the world, there's stuff happening in your life, right? There's stuff happening in your life, and it could be heavy. And so I was even challenged, yo, Pastor Mike, can you make this last sermon a little lighter? I tried. I can't do it. Because a lot of us in our hearts, we all long to be happy and and good for good. You're lucky because I'm not one of those preachers like, glory to God, we're not called to be happy. We're called to be joyful. This is the face of joy. Right? I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to do that to you because um, when I'm studying Scripture, scripture and, I, and I'm understanding the life of Jesus, when Jesus uses the word blessed, that word blessed actually means happy. So I do believe that happiness is a great thing. If you're happy today, good on you, man. Keep on going. But there's some of us, let's be real, let's be honest, we're not happy. Oh, you've encountered moments when you're not happy. And so this morning, I, I just want to, I want to confess some things to you. Can, can I be, we're going to get hot today. Humble, honest, and transparent. H-O-T. Right? Humble, open, and transparent. And, 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 and I'm going to confess to you, the last several weeks, I've been struggling in the arena of happiness. I never want you to sit here and think that, oh, you know, pastors, they got it all together. Bull crap. We don't. And no, this is not going to be a breakdown. This is not going to be a public breakdown. What I'm trying to do is exemplify what does it look like to actually have a breakthrough. And, and, and I haven't been happy. My wife, you could ask my wife. She's nodding her head. That's right. Mm-hmm. You better preach to yourself this morning. Haven't been happy. And you want to know why I haven't been happy? I've been working on some things and digging deeper. And that's what you do when you, when, you, when you actually have a relationship with God. That doesn't mean that everything's great. It doesn't mean that everything's great. It means that there's always work to be done. And so when I'm leaning into God and I'm like, I, I just haven't been happy. And here's why I haven't been happy. I haven't been happy because, like, this, there's this prevailing lie in my life that I've been battling for decades. And it's the lie. It's, it's this lie. I know it's a lie. I know it's a lie, but it's this lie. People who say they love you won't always love you. Is that too real for some of y'all? 
It stems back all the way back to my biological father. My, my, my parents are awesome, but, but it stems back to my biological father. Then a significant other, again, once claimed they loved me, and then, and then again left. And to be honest with you, 21 years of ministry, 21 years of ministry, I get it all the time where people are like, we just love you, Pastor Mike. Oh, you're such a good leader. And four months later, they leave. And it was even amplified the last two years because, you know, to some people, we were, we were too woke. For some people, we were too Black Lives Matter. For some people, if I'm honest, we weren't Black Lives Matter enough. For some people, we were too, we were too you know, we, we, we emphasized the mass thing a little too much. And for some people, we didn't emphasize it enough. And it was just this, like, constant game of who we're going to piss off today. Is that too real? And so, like, that's, that's what I felt. And so the same people that were just like, Pastor Mike, we love you, just up and left. So every day, recently, I've been just fighting this live. Like, they say they love you, but eventually it's going to stop. And it left me to be unhappy. And then not only it left me to be unhappy, it's like, it, it makes me feel like all the work and all the effort and all the sacrifice that goes on behind the scenes, it's never going to be enough never going to be enough. And those that say they love me now, I'm going to piss you off one day. <laughs> and then you're just going to leave. And I've had to fight. And I know it's a lie because some of you, you after the service, you got Pastor Mike, I love you and you ain't never going to let me go. <laughs> I'm always going to be here. And I appreciate that. I do. And I know it's a lie. But there are sometimes when lies amplify so much that you know it's a lie, but it's still grabbing your attention. Can I get a amen? You know it's a lie. Some of you are like, you know, like, your insecurities, are just, just turn it up to 11. You know that you're loved. You, you know that you're forgiven. You know that you're valuable. But then those lies, they're just screaming. And, and it's like that annoying person just screaming and, and, and making, making an absolute ridiculous event of some little petty thing. And you know it's just silly, but they still get your attention. And so I've been struggling with getting a hold of my happiness. And I'm hoping that, A, you, you extend some empathy, and B, that you understand that you're not alone. This is my confession. Like, I, I struggle with it. I always struggle with the element of, and I believe that every good Christian, you should be content with where you are. Right? You should be content. The Bible says we need to be aware. We need to, every day we need to have thanksgiving and gratitude. We need to be content, but also unsatisfied. And sometimes I mess up that line. Because when I say unsatisfied, yo, I want more of God. I do, I want more of God. And you ready for this? I want more people, not for the sake of growing the empire of fervent church. I could give a rip of that. I want more people to know Jesus. I do. I want you, I want you to learn, learn more about Jesus. I want you to get deeper into your understanding of who God is. I want you to fall in love every single day with God. I'm unsatisfied with that, and thank God I'm unsatisfied with that. But during that unsatisfaction, we need to make sure that we're still holding on to contentment. And that's why many of us will Google how to be happy, because we mess up that line between contentment and satisfaction. Y'all getting this? And so I believe happiness is a powerful thing. I believe happiness is something that we could occasionally have. But until we, until we get a, a better understanding of wh where we can be happy and how we can be happy, we, we have this 
this fruit of the Spirit called joy. We do. We have this fruit of the Spirit called joy. One of my favorite verses, I know pastors, they're always coming up, like every verse you say is your favorite verse. This is my number two. All right, my number two favorite verse is Nehemiah 8.10. It says this, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Notice it doesn't say your ability to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Notice it doesn't say your talents. Notice it doesn't say your hustle. No, no, no. What's your strength? Your strength is the joy of the Lord is your strength. So we hold on to this thing called joy until we can figure out how to be happy. And many of us, we, we, we struggle with the definition between happiness and joy. Because some of you are like, aren't they the same thing? And unfortunately, they're not. They're not the same thing. And here's how I want us to understand happiness. Happiness is a feeling based on circumstances. You follow me? Happiness is a feeling based on circumstances. I'm happy when I have a donut in my hand. It's a feeling based on a glazed donut. Oh, Lord. Krispy Kreme. Come on. When the sign says hot and ready. Come on, somebody. Happiness is based, it's a feeling based on the circumstances. Joy, joy is an attitude that defies circumstances. Joy is an attitude that defies circumstances. In fact, this is how I want us all, this is gonna be a little lengthy of a definition, but, but this is what I feel is a solid, tight, biblical definition of joy. You ready for this one to be up on the screen? It says this, joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I need you to help me edit that part of the video out for a second. Because some of you are like, joy. Word. Yeah. Let's let's cut. I think my hands were right here. So I'm going to edit this. Right? So joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail of my life. It's the quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined choice to praise God in every situation. I'm kidding. One of our values is authentic community, and so we're going to leave that in there. The whole world's going to see that you were corrected by your pastor this morning. But you'll see, you'll find nothing Nothing in the definition of joy requires happiness. It doesn't. And so we have this element, this thing that we hold on to. Again, I'm not demonizing happiness. Happiness is great. Everybody say happiness is great. Happiness is great. But until we have those moments, because they're based on circumstances, right? But until we have those moments, I could always hold on to joy. So I talked to you about my favorite verses, but if I'm honest with you, this is my least favorite verse but needs to be more true in my life than ever is, is, is found in James chapter one, verses two to four. It says this, my brothers and sisters, count it all a joy. When what? When you face trials, hold up. When you face trials of many kinds, knowing that the testing of your faith, who's being tested today? Come on. Even today, it, it, so <laughs> I was walking my dog. We just moved into this uh, place where there's a, uh, it's a golf course and I'm walking my dog 
and there's these little signs that I don't notice. It says, please do not let the dogs on the landscaping, right? And, uh, and I'm walking my dog, and this guy, he, he walks outside, and he goes, hey, you see the effing sign? Ooh, I was being tested. <laughs> In my head, I imagine, let me just put my salvation down for one second. <laughs> Tie this dog up to a tree and handle this business. Is that too real for y'all? <laughs> but I said, okay, and I just walked away. That's all. That was the best I had. That was the most sanctified version of what I did. All right. But the testing, the Bible says it's the testing of your faith produces patience and let the patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That's that part that, that calls out to the unsatisfied part of me. I, I want to get to the place in my life where I'm, not, I'm lacking nothing. You could take away money. You could take away things. And even in my soul, I'll understand that I'm lacking nothing because God has done a good work inside of my heart. But how does that happen? It happens with the testing of our faith. So when the trials come and the drama comes and the issues come and the circumstances are against you, I got to choose joy. Did you say choose joy? Yes, I said choose joy. Because what is joy? Joy is the attitude that actually helps us defy circumstances. Y'all getting this? It's the attitude that defies circumstances. I'm a nerd, and so I've been messing around a lot with virtual reality stuff, and there's some games on virtual reality where you get to choose your adventure. Right? You get to choose your environment. Even when you put the goggles on, I get to choose whatever environment. I get to choose how my living room works. I get to choose my experience. And, and, and it's kind of like that. I think what a Christian has, when you activate your faith, you get to choose your experience. No, you can't change your environment, but you can change your attitude. It is hard. Don't let, let, please, don't look at me like, oh, yeah, you do that on a regular? No, I don't. No, I don't. You know what's even harder? Because your wife, she's holy and anointed, and she's just placed in my life just to do amazing good things. And then there are times where she challenged me, and she'll say, in the worst, when I'm just like, like level red anger, right? And she's like, you know what? Choose your mood. And I'm like, yeah, 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 choose your mood. I know she's right, but it's like the worst timing. It's like telling somebody who's all hyped to calm down. It doesn't work, right? But she's right, though. Like, choose your mood. Choose your attitude, choose joy. And that's what scripture tells us. Scripture wouldn't ask us to do something if we're incapable of doing it. Scripture would not ask us to do something if we're incapable of doing it. So we get to choose our experience. I can consider this a pure joy. I could consider it. I could, I could find, I, and, then, and then it requires you to be like a finder, right? You gotta find the blessings. You gotta find out, you know, what, what's, what good can come out of this? You're searching for the goodness of God in every situation. It's not easy, but it's worth it. It's not easy, but it's worth it. So what do we need to do? How to be happy? I think first we need to reorganize our thoughts on joy. So I want to reorganize some of your thoughts on joy. Ready? The first one is this. Joy stands alone. Joy stands alone. You don't need anything to be joyful. It doesn't need supplements. You know anybody who takes supplements while they're working out? I, I, I woke up, I, I uh, grew up, and, uh, you know, my family used to always tell each other, just encourage each other, oh, you're not fat, you're just big-boned. Anybody? <laughs> Where are my big-boned people at? <laughs> right? 
And and this is genetics. Like, I don't know if that's, in fact, I know it's not true. Like, no one's really big boned, but I just know, like, I don't need to take supplements to be thicker than a snicker. Come on. Right? I just don't. I don't need to take those supplements. I don't need extra protein. I don't need that kind of stuff. It's just, this is just, this is natural beef right here. This is donuts. This is steak. This is burgers. It's the real deal. Right? My wife's just nodding in disapproval. Right? I don't need supplements. And some of us, we, we need supplements to help out. Joy needs no supplement. Joy stands alone. It doesn't need anything else to be joy. If it needs anything else to be joy, it's not joy. Write that down. If it needs anything else to be joy, it's not joy. Again, I grew up in an urban community. People would say, ooh, wait till I get my money straight. Ooh, wait till I get this promotion in the church. Wait till I get married. Where you at? Then I'll be joyful. Then, then I'll have something to live for. Wait till I get my kids. Wait till I buy this house. Wait till I get my new car. If it needs anything, it's not joy. Joy stands alone. It requires no supplements. And for me personally, I know I'm clowning on those getting married. For me, sometimes I need that feeling of achievement. I need that feeling of winning. Oh, I need a win in order for me to be joyful. Uh Uh-uh, then it ain't joy, Mike. It's not joy. Joy stands alone. It is a byproduct of your relationship with God. It is a byproduct of your relationship with God. That's why when you read Psalms in Psalm 51, 12, it says this. It says, restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Notice it says the joy of my salvation. You know what the beauty of salvation is? You don't have to do anything to earn it. If someone ever told you that you have to earn God's favor, if someone ever told you that you have to act a certain way, dress a certain way, have a certain type of vocabulary to receive the favor of God, that they do not understand salvation, that they do not understand mercy. Mercy and grace means it's it's unmerited favor, which means you cannot earn it. You can't do anything for God to love you less, and you can't do anything for God to love you more. So I love how the psalmist understood it's restored to me, remind me of the joy of your salvation. Remind me of the fact that I don't need to do jack squat to get a hold of this gift that you've given me called joy. I don't. It's, it's a mindset. It's an attitude that I can choose joy. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to develop it. I don't have to produce it. It is a byproduct of my relationship with God. So you could put me in prison You can have the crowds rise up against me. You can do whatever you want, and I still have the opportunity to choose joy. I still have the opportunity to praise God in every circumstance. If it needs anything, it is not joy. There's a pastor uh, that I follow, and he said this the other day. He says, when you pray for something you already have, you will never have the joy of an answered prayer. When you pray for something you already have, you will never have the joy of an answered prayer. You know, and I think some of us, our prayer life is like, it's like, you know, you're that person, I'm that person that's like, where are my keys? They're in your hands. Where's my phone? It's in your pocket. What's that pencil? It's behind your ear, big head. It's right behind your ear. We're, we're longing for things that we already have. And that's why we never have the joy of answered prayer because we're praying for things 
that you already have access to. So he says, restore to me the joy of your salvation. You, are, you, already, you already have the grace of God in your life. You have everything you need to praise God today. Can you remind yourself of that today? You have everything you need to praise God today. You don't need anything else. You don't need that promotion. You don't. Pastor Mike, you don't need the pews full like they were before the pandemic. Pastor Mike, you don't need recognition for all the hard work you do. You don't need any of that. Choose joy. Because joy stands alone. Y'all getting this? And I know that's difficult because we live in an American context. And even in our, in our foundational writings, we, we hear the pursuit of happiness. Right? The pursuit of happiness. And, and fun, pursue your happiness. Pursue that achievement. Pursue that sense of winning. But there are days where you fail in your pursuits, right? And I think instead of pursuing happiness, we start pursuing joy. And you're pursuing something that you already have. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a focus. Joy is not a feeling. Joy is a focus. And so in our pursuit of whatever goal you have, you forget let me rewind that. In my pursuit of whatever goal I have, I forget to enjoy the journey. Right? I forget to enjoy the journey. See, parents do it all the time. Like, you just forget to enjoy the moments. You know, you want to know the quickest way to sabotage a moment, parents? Try to take a picture of it. Right? You ever had that when you're little kids? All right, let me take a picture of you. And all of a sudden, they act stupid. Can we say that? Are there any kids in the room? Let's talk about them for a little bit. Right? They're all smiling, looking cute. Let me take a picture. And all of a sudden, they just have this nasty attitude. Right? And they're closing their eyes, and they have this, like, weird demonic smile. You don't smile like that. Smile regular. Give me your normal smile. No, not that one. Right? The quickest way to sabotage a moment is to try to take a picture of it. And I think at times we're trying to capture the goal. We're trying to capture the moment rather than just enjoying the journey. Enjoy the journey. Joy stands alone. Number two, <laughs> joy isn't circumstantial. Who wants to throw a shoe at me? Joy isn't circumstantial. It's not circumstantial. Like I said, it's a byproduct of a relationship with God. So, so maybe write this down. It's not circumstantial. It's more associational. The more I associate with God, then I'm able to access this joy. The psalmist also said this in Psalm 16, 11. He says this, you make known to me the path of life. And watch this. Some of you have heard this before. It says, in your presence, there is fullness of joy. In the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Here we have this thing called collectives. It's a group and a community of people that we gather together. And, and this is where we can ensure that you can find chemistry, care, and challenge in our church. And they have discussions on the sermon every single week. And this week, the, the, the discussion is going to be based on this principle right here. That when you pursue happiness, when you pursue happiness, you don't always find God. Can I say that again? When you pursue happiness, you don't always find God. But when you pursue God, you always find joy. Hello? 
When you pursue happiness, you don't always find God. You might, you don't always find God. But when you just pursue God, I guarantee you, you will always find joy. So at times in the circumstances, we're pursuing happiness. Let me just, let me just fix the circumstances. And isn't that why, isn't that why many people, they try to move away from their problems? Can I preach? Hello? They just try to move away from their problems. I think like Florida should be called New Jersey 2.0. Right? Have you ever seen that many people just move to Florida? Where are you from? Jersey. Of course you are. Right? And a lot of people, they just migrated to different, different places in the United States. Even all of our major cities lost a lot of people. New York, Philadelphia, D.C. And they all just went to different places because they were just trying to change their circumstances. They were trying to change their environment. And I'm not, I don't have anything negative to say that. But I'm wondering, I'm wondering is that are we, in our attempt to make ourselves better, we try to change our environments rather than changing ourselves? Does that make sense to you? But we all do it. Let me change my circumstances, and then things will get better. Let me quit my job and find a new job, and you still the nasty old you. Let me get into a new relationship. It's going to be better, but you're still going to be lying in this relationship. Let me go find a new church, but you're still going to be critical. Oh, that's too real for some of y'all. I get it. But what we try to do is we try to make joy circumstantial, and sometimes you don't have to change your environment. You might... You might feel like you're in a physical prison, but I think the biggest prison is your thoughts. The biggest prison is your mentality towards things. You see the story of Paul and Silas in the New Testament. They were, they were in prison. You know what they decided to do? They decided to worship God. In fact, if you read the story, they were on their way to worship God, and then they ran into some drama, and then that drama put them into prison. And, and instead of changing the goal, instead of saying, that's it, our goal is done, the mission is over, forget about praising God, they praised God anyway, and the walls of their prison came down. I'm telling you right now, metaphorically speaking, the walls of the prisons in your mind will come tumbling down if you decide not to make joy circumstantial. Because it is not circumstantial. Number three, last one. And this is, this is the worst one. This is the worst one. Joy can coexist with suffering. You know that Kermit the Frog meme that just, he's like sipping on a martini. Anybody know what I'm talking about? A tea. Yeah, that's what I felt like doing right there. Joy can coexist with suffering. Now here's the deal. Suffering and happiness cannot coexist. You follow me? Suffering and happiness can't coexist. Doesn't. But joy can coexist with suffering. Let's be honest. You're not happy. You're not happy when you're in the hospital. Have you tasted hospital food? I'm not happy. Right? You're not happy when you're in the cancer, cancer ward. You're not happy when you're on your way to divorce court. You're not happy when you're in the DMV. Right? Let's face it, like during those suffering moments, you can't be happy. But joy can coexist with suffering. It can coexist with suffering. Joy is not the absence of even sadness. I, I, and talking about this sermon, our, our location pastor over in Sewell, 
some of you know the story. I mean, like, he got on both sides of, uh, of his family ha- have cancer, severe cancer on each side of his family. His father-in-law and his mother have cancer. They just lost uh, his brother-in-law three or four weeks ago of an overdose. Right before Thanksgiving, they took away one of his foster children. They thought they were going to move to adoption. I mean, just hit after hit. My man's sad. But he gave me this point. He said, Pastor Mike, can I, can I, can I add something to this? And I almost wanted to cry when he said it because he, he's smiling while he says it, and I want to cry. And he told me, he said, joy is not the absence of sadness. He said, I'm still sad. I'm sad every day. But I'm choosing that definition of joy where God, ultimately God is in control of every, every, every detail of my life. And, and you know what? In every circumstances, I'm going to choose to praise him. And I'm going to choose to believe that everything eventually is going to be all right. Joy can coexist with suffering. Hebrews 12, and I'll close with this one. The author says, therefore, since we are surrounded with a great cloud of witnesses, that means that there are many people that came before you and I that that went through some stuff, persecution for their faith, the lost of loved ones, like we're in a great crowd of witnesses. And it says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run the endurance, the race that is set before us. There's, there's, there are assignments that are set before us together corporately as well as individually. There are these assignments. And so let us run this race looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. And then he, they, it gives us this example. How did Jesus do it? How did Jesus do it? How did he do it? Because like, there was this crowd that came against him and they, they killed an innocent man. How did he do it? This is, this is what scripture says. It says this, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So when you feel like quitting, this is what, this is what Paul, the author says. He says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. For the joy set before him, he endured all that suffering. For the joy set before him, he endured people making fun of him, mocking him, talking about him, literally murdered him because they didn't prefer some of the things that he was saying. So consider him, consider him. When you feel like quitting, you're like, I just, I can't be happy right now. Just consider him who put joy before him. And this is a reoccurring theme in in Paul's writings. He said it again to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians uh, 6. And in verse 10, he says this, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as sorrowful yet always rejoicing I love this he says and behold we live as punished and yet not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing yet possessing everything 
as having nothing yet possessing everything. He understood that he was a spiritual being having a human experience. He understood that in order for him to really create this momentum in his life that eventually he could find happiness and he could rejoice again is that he couldn't walk in the flesh any longer. He had to walk in the spirit. And then when you walk in the spirit and you cling to the spirit of God, you will produce this fruit called joy. And then occasionally you'll be ready and prepared to truly handle happiness. Some people, they just even, honestly, they can't even handle happiness. Any music fans out there? You know, we have musicians constantly dying, and, 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 and I'm a big fan of the Foo Fighters, and, and the drummer just recently, a couple days ago, just died. And this guy, it was, they're on a world tour in front of millions of people playing and doing the thing that he loves, yet he couldn't handle the moments of happiness. Some of us, maybe happiness is right in front of your face, but because you don't have joy, you can't even recognize it. Can't even recognize it. So we hold on to joy. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Let's all stand up. And we are going to sing. But I want us to do something. I want us to pray together this definition of joy. Joy. 